All right, folks. We've got a special announcement to make this week. To cut down on the length of the podcast, we're dropping two podcasts. Coming up right here, right now, is my in-depth interview with the number one runner in the world right now, Michael Wardian. He's the only runner winning anything right now. 45-year-old just won the Quarantine Backyard Ultra. It's a great interview. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to it. And then tomorrow, we're going to drop our regular podcast with myself, Robert Johnson, my twin brother, Weldon Johnson, and Jonathan Galt. That will be coming tomorrow. But get ready for the Michael Wardian interview. But before we get to that, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Guys, COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's a crazy, scary time right now. You know, you're probably worried about things, your health. Thankfully, our friends at The Feed have you covered. Whether you need an immunity-boosting pack or a, flesh, or a fresh supply of the Martin Sports Drinks or even their new AeroFit Respiratory Muscle Training Device, they've got it all. You haven't gotten these items already? Go to thefeed.com slash let's run, and you'll be linked to save 15% on your entire order. So get your immunity boosting pack, get your margin drink, whatever you need, go to thefeed.com. And I'm sure you're probably running low on your running shoes as well. Your running shoe store is probably closed. Don't worry, folks. You can order online. Go to letsrun.com slash shoes. That's the Let's Run shoe site. You'll get the best prices, the best reviews, and you'll support Little Let's Run, which is definitely hurting advertising markets have crashed. So please support us by going to let'srun.com slash shoes or thefeed.com slash let's run. All right. This week's guest is a fantastic guest to have on because what has been the theme of the last few months? 40 plus people dominating in the running world. And this man at age 45, he'll actually turn join me at 46 on Sunday, is the biggest runner in the world right now, Mike Wardian, the ultra marathon star. And this weekend on Monday, he won the first annual, we don't know if it's annual actually. <laughs> oh, first I, don't ever. Know. I don't know either. Backyard quarantine, quarantine backyard ultra by running 63 laps. If you're not familiar with the backyard ultra, every hour on the hour you have to run a 4.167 mile loop. So that means over the sports, over the span of 24 hours, you run 100 miles. He did 63 of those loops, which comes out to 262.52 miles to get the victory in somewhat controversial fashion, but Mike is a former college lacrosse player, a multi-time U.S. champion at a variety of distances, including 50K, 50 miles, 100K. He's run 13 marathons in a year. He's run seven marathons in the span of nine weeks. He's former world record holder in the indoor marathon and marathon fastest marathon ever run with a stroller. He's run marathons on seven continents twice and is a three-time Olympic trials qualifier in the, in the regular marathon. Mike, it's a long resume, but congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I've done some stuff. I think I actually won marathons on all seven continents. I don't know if anyone else has ever done that. Wow. Not only have you run them, but you've run them at, the high, at a high level. <laughs> so the, the Let's Run, my podcast mates have, have left me alone to, to do this interview, which may be scary. because, I, But I was the only one watching live when this race went down on – I, well, Saturday through Monday, but I was watching on Monday and Monday night, I guess it was almost midnight when it went down. The last, the last rep started at 11 p.m. Eastern. So you start on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. 
Well, it depends where you were in the world. Since we all didn't start in the same location, some people were starting later in the day because it was actually kind of a global event, as you know. So there was, I think, I don't know, what did they say, like 60 countries represented or something? Um, yeah, it was pretty incredible. So people were starting, you know, some people were starting. I started at nine in the morning on Saturday. Other people were starting Sunday morning. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, 2,500 entrants. And then it gets down to just you and Radek Brunner of the Czech Republic. But let's let's go back to the start of this. What was your mindset? I mean, you, going into this, you'd never done a backyard ultra. Was your plan? I'm definitely going to end this to try to win it. You know, when the when the when the first starting bell goes off, what was your goal? Uh, my goal at the beginning was to try to go further than I'd ever gone in the past, and. Um, you know, for me, that was, I had run what's known as a fastest known time. It's kind of like an individual event, which is actually kind of pertinent and useful at this time when a lot of events are being canceled. It's something you can kind of do on your own. And I've kind of really taken that as a way to continue to challenge myself. And I ran um, a long trail here in the Washington, D.C. region that I used to train on all the time and still do called the CNO Canal. And that was uh, 300 kilometers or around 184 miles in 36 hours, 36 minutes and 12 seconds, uh, breaking a record from like the seventies from this super badass guy, um, called park Barner. Um, and so for me, that was kind of the longest single effort I'd done. I've done some longer events, uh, you know, a 400 kilometer race called the ultra Gobi and, China, but that was kind of one where you had aid stations and you could, you know, sleep if you wanted to or that kind of stuff. But I'd never taken on an event like the Backyard Ultra where every hour on the hour you have to leave. So, and it's a race that <clears throat> I, I like to continue to do things that I haven't done and challenge myself in, in new ways and try to learn new skills. And this is a, a race where you can't rely on, you know, like I've relatively fast and that's always been an advantage you know because if i get to the aid station sooner i can have more time to do what i need to do or i can just get through a bad section of weather maybe a little bit better if a hailstorm comes or uh if i'm low on food i can you know use that um and it was the first time where there's a format in a race where so what? It doesn't matter if you're fast or not. Like you all start at the same time. And as long as the other person can keep going, it doesn't really benefit you to go fast. So you, I actually had to slow down. So I started the race at, I think, 11 and a half minute miles, which if you're not used to running at that pace, it's it's a big adjustment. And it's not just physical, but also mentally just to know what your normal pace is. And especially when you're doing it in a location that you're very familiar with, like I did it literally like 50 feet from my house. So, um, you know, I, I know that area very well and I was basically going almost, uh, a fraction of a, a step faster than when I walk my dog around the block, you know? So. Oh, that proves you're in much better shape than I am, even though we're almost the same age because 11 minutes is still running for me. But so when, when you go for a normal jog these days, like what pace would you be running if you were going to go run, say? Um, I'd say normally 
normally uh, 10 miles is anywhere between 6.30 and 7 or 8 minute per mile pace. You started off slow, really slow on purpose. And I think that was because Maggie, girl who had won a backyard ultra, right? The big, the only woman to win the big backyard ultra, right? Told you to do that. I mean, oh, like- yeah, dude. Yeah, Maggie is awesome. Yeah, she and I are good friends. And she has uh, been trying to suck me into the dark side and come to do one of these races. And um, I've, I've always been curious. It's just never really uh, fit. And, you know, since there wasn't, anything, you know, Boston's canceled. I was supposed to be in Sri Lanka for uh, a stage race. Like it just fit. And I mean, I, I've been wanting to do one, so why not take part? Now I read that you had run a marathon on the same, this is a block outside your street. Like the yeah. week before, was that to get ready for this or why, why would you do a marathon on the, on your, on the uh, <laughs> street that you live in? It seems insane, particularly when you have a big race coming up. Um, actually I hadn't signed up for the quarantine ultra at that point. So I just did the marathon to keep the inner, the neighborhood entertained. Like my wife's like, Hey, you know, you've been saying like you wanted to run a marathon in the neighborhood. Like everyone's bored out of their minds. Why don't you just do it tomorrow? And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And so Thursday afternoon, I had some offers for work due at 11 and I finished the offers, put on my running shoes, went to the bathroom and then ran um, the marathon around my block and yeah, it went really well. I was actually super fast. I ran like two thirty three, So I was, I was happy for that. Wow. Your, your wife is, she's like an unsung hero here. Does she run? Like she seems, she's very supportive. She sets up the aid stations, but is she a runner? Tell, tell us a little about her. And then you have two kids, right? How old are they now? What do they think of dad running? Yeah, no. So my wife, Jennifer, yeah, she's uh, incredible. She's, you know, one of the most, um, resilient, cool, dedicated, committed people in the world. And I've known her for 20 years and I've uh, been lucky to um, have her on my team, man. Yeah. Without her, none of this would be possible. And um, she's, she's definitely a catalyst for a lot of these adventures. And, um, you know, you need to have that kind of support if you want to kind of do these things. Like everyone thinks running's an individual endeavor, but really, um, it's not. Like if if you don't have the support and backing, then um, you know, you might have success for a little while, but you're not going to have that staying power that you know is characteristic of being able to do great things. And then our kids, like it's they're they're a big part of it too. You know, like you were saying some of the records I had, like Pierce and I set a world record with him in the jog stroller when he was like 10 months old, you know? So um, they've been around the sport and uh, gotten a lot of the benefits of being um, children of a professional athlete. Like um, I think they're at 22 countries visited at this point in their lives. And they have friends all over the world that they are able to communicate with. And um, they know that, you know, just because there's one way to do thing, it, doesn't mean that's always the best way to do it. And um, they have a good sense of being, you know, they're very comfortable in a lot of different situations. And I feel like um, if there's anything that I'm most proud of probably in my running, it's that, you know, they've been able to get this worldview that a lot of people their age don't have. So does does anyone else in the family run though besides you? I mean, they're supportive, but do they actually... 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, both the boys run. So Pierce is 13. He runs on the track team. Uh, unfortunately, here in Virginia, the long distance for um, sixth and seventh grade is, I don't even think it's 1,500 meters. I think it's like 1,400 meters or, or 800. Uh, and then Grant does, uh, who's um, just turned uh, 11, is um, doing uh, Barrett Runners. And it's a group that meets on Friday. And it's actually pretty cool. It's like uh, 100 kids. And I actually go and run with the kids uh, on Friday afternoons. And um, they usually do around five kilometers or so. So like three or four miles. Um, and it's just kind of a loop by the school. And so that's how they're kind of involved, but they're into like flag football and, uh, I'm actually hoping they're going to be professional esports. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're on that trajectory. Like they're, they're definitely very good at Xbox. Hey, it's a lucrative career nowadays. Yeah. So the goal is to originally is just to break your record of 186 miles. But the weird thing to me, I'm sort of surprised you said that because I was reading, I think the Washington Post this morning. You get to 175 miles in the middle of the night, I think it was, and you tell your wife, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And and uh, Jennifer's like, no, that's not a good enough excuse. And not only do you get back out there, but you run another 90 miles. I mean, how is that possible? Like, just that one momentary weakness, like you were done? Like, if your wife's not there, you think you would have just stopped right then? Yeah, I, th- I really do. I think I was at that point where – it was just, you know, I was uh, probably behind in calories and um, just lacking motivation. And I was thinking, you know, I was just having a pity party for myself, you know, like, you know, my stomach wasn't feeling good and I was cold. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things that happens. It, all, it happens to everyone if you start doing a, a race of any kind of distance. And the tricky thing about that we didn't mention about this format also is, you don't know when the end's going to be, right? It could be the next lap or it could be in two days. Um, and I started thinking like you come up with justifications for why you got to do it. Right. I have, uh, I had a bunch of work that I was going to be having to pass off to somebody. And I was thinking, Oh, you know, I could, you know, justify it to myself by saying like, Oh, I'm not going to, you know, hose my partner, you know? And like you come up with all these reasons why, why it would be okay but you really know that, that unless, unless you're basically, that's what she asked me. She said, I I went, you know, I started running, I think it was like three o'clock in the morning too. And that's like a tricky time. Like, cause it's usually you get a little bit of a bad patch around like your bedtime. And then that really dark part of the night between like one 30 and like three o'clock in the morning, because it's like, you don't have anything to look forward to at like three or at four o'clock in the morning. You're like, Oh, it's almost dawn. Like if I can just make it to the next day, like I'm going to get and it's at least for me when the sun comes out, like I just feel like, Oh, I just woke up again and um, it can really turn the corner, but it, it's a, it's a cold, dark patch. And I just had a momentary lapse of weakness and I was glad she was there because she said, Hey, are you hurt? Is it like, are you sick? And I was like, no, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. I'm not, I'm not digging it. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not, it's, I'm not into it. And like, that's very unlike me. I'm usually like really gung ho. And 
she she didn't even flinch. She just like she didn't even like there was no pity on her face. There was nothing. It was just awesome. She was just like, that's not a good enough reason. And I was like, you're right. And I just I seriously, that's all I needed to hear. And then I don't know if you looked at the splits on that, but then I just hammered and I was like, well, at least I'm going to go out running. I'm going to go out like and just throw down. Did she say that at the beginning of the session or when, when in the hour did she say that to you? Yeah, no. So like I started the session on time. I ran like two tenths of a mile basically to the other side of the street, like the other side of the block. And it was like a little hill. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. And then and then I was just I was just standing there and I was like, I don't I, 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 like how I don't know how long this is gonna go. I just I, and I was just like, and I turn and then I don't know if you know, but like if you if you're using Strava on your phone, if you go too slow, like you were saying, it auto pauses because it's like you're not running anymore. And so like I turned it off and I turned on uh, the walk feature, which I found at that point, and I was like, I called it like the walk of shame, and I was like, oh, I'll just walk back to the aid station and like we can clean up our stuff and it was like cold and kind of rainy a little bit um and then and then yeah then we had that conversation and i restarted my phone and it like it was just that's i don't know sometimes it's as simple as you're running and you see something beautiful you want to get to or your calories kick in and maybe you know while that i was walking over there i drank some more and um and so then I, I started the clock up again and, and then I was actually, I was pretty clever because I thought, well, if I, if I, if I do this, um, and, and I don't run an extra loop, someone could say later, like, oh, you know, he, he oh, did, yeah, he's trying to count time that he didn't count. So I ran an extra Point two. No, and a whole extra loop, so an extra point four to make it the correct distance, so that no one could say later, "Oh, he didn't do the loop or something," which you know, I guess turned out to be a good thing to do. Like I had no idea at that point there were still a lot of people in the race, you know, that I was going to end up, you know, being one of the last guys. But I'm glad that I was cognizant enough in my my forethought to have done that. So then it gets down to you and Raddick for quite some time. I don't know how many hours, just mono and mono. You know, and one of the things I've been told about the backyard ultra was it's sort of like psychologically you're trying to analyze, like if you, if you realize the other person, you know, normally it's the person right next to you looks way better than you, you might be tempted just to throw in the towel because what's the point of running for another four hours if you're going to lose anyways? Right. But are, are you trying to analyze how he looks on the video between the, between the sessions? Like, was there some psychological warfare going on or were you just sticking to yourself? Well, I couldn't see him. So like that was a disadvantage for me um, until near the very end. Um, like actually like it turned like our neighbors actually put up like a big screen outside their house, like a movie projector and they were projecting it on their house at the end. But um, so it was that turned out to be super cool. But like until like the, I think that was like towards the last lap or something. So like I couldn't see him basically the whole time, but I mean, I, I always felt after that, you know, 
laps at like three o'clock in the morning, I was always feeling good. So I, I, and I was like answering questions and like trying to be engaging. And, um, you know, I had a couple people that in the neighborhood that were coming out and saying like, Oh, he's kind of listing on the treadmill or it looks like he's hurt his hip or something, but I didn't really know. And I think the coolest part about the backyard ultra is like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to stop. Like I wanted to get a record and like, it, and I wasn't sure. And, and you can kind of hear it if you see it, it. It sounds like you watched it all. It's like at the end when they told me that he wasn't allowed to go anymore, I was like, okay, well, that sucks. But can I keep going? And they're like, oh, no, now we have more bad news for you. Like, you're done, too. And I was just like, well, I don't want to be done. So, like, so that's what's the cool part about the race is, like, you need the other person and the other person needs you to be able to do something great. And so you're competing against each other, but I didn't, I didn't want him to stop. Like I wanted us to do something that nobody's ever done before. And it sucked that it ended the way that it did because he, he looked like he was able to keep going. I think that he, he just had a, you know, probably like me just had like something happen and he, he wasn't paying attention and then all of a sudden it was too late. You know, that sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was the same way when I was watching it. I mean, they were, they tried to warn him last and then tried to warn him. Like 40 <laughs> yeah. Seconds. And they, and I was like, dude, start going. And then they decued him. I'm like, no, it shouldn't end this way. And I was, you know, I, I, let me, let me apologize to you. I got on Twitter and I sent you a direct message on Twitter and said, don't accept the victory this way. And then, <laughs> Wait, I think it might have said, don't accept the cheap victory this way. But, yeah, yeah, okay. something, something, to, something to that effect, yes. Well, because, I mean, I guess that's the rule. Everyone knows it's the rule. But and then you – I didn't feel like you – know, admittedly, the race organizers, the commentators are tired themselves. They didn't do a real good job of explaining to you because it looked like you came back and saw that he was running. I was like, why is he still running? So I was kind of thinking, well, what if these just two guys – like? You, you know, you're not, you didn't want it to end that way. But what if, do you wish now that maybe just you and him had just kept running? I mean, the, the race organizers don't acknowledge it, but you and him, I mean, you've done 63 laps. The most anyone's ever done on a backyard roll through is 68. Now, last said he wouldn't, he wouldn't count it as a record, but do you wish you just kept going and done like 75? I mean, it would have been even more, in my mind, a little legendary. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I wish we could have kept going. Like, I, I, I feel like if you looked at the video, you could see me saying, like, I'm willing to just let him go. Like, I don't care. Like, give him a redo. Like, if you did, I don't, did you see that on the feed or no? It was, it was right after they told me that he was done. I said, like, hey, do you guys need to give him another chance? Like, it's fine with me. I don't care. I can do more. And they were like, no, we can't. And I was like, oh, I, yeah, that sucked. I heard you say you were willing to run more, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and then they, they were going to try to get him off, but then the feed ever come up? Did he ever come back on? Like, did you ever see him again? Did he ever the feed went out? Yeah, I, I, so yeah, I, I didn't. Well, and I don't know if you saw. Also, I was like, well, how do I get a moment? Like, where do I get a chance to congratulate him? Like, I was like, I mean. He made me a better athlete that day. We did something neither of us have ever done and not a lot of people in the world have, you know, been able to accomplish. And you can't do that by yourself. Like if, I mean, it, that's, 
that's the way the event is set up. And so, you know, I wanted to honor his competitiveness and his drive and just the way that he composed himself. I mean, he was not backing down and, you know, that messes with you too. Like I was like, I'm not quitting. And he's like, I'm not quitting. And it's just, you just keep going until something happens, you know? And uh, unfortunately, like, I mean, I, I, supposedly there were some technical glitches with the feed and everything, but the, the thing I was doing too, because of that was, you know what, you know, you have to go on the hour. So no matter where you are in the world, you know, if it's one, one o'clock in the morning and you haven't gone, then, you know, that's a problem, you know? So like, even if there is a feed, you should have your own watch saying like, okay, it's like, I was looking at my iPhone. Yeah, my plug for T-Mobile, like we were talking about, but I had my my iPhone and I was like yelling at Jennifer, like how many how many seconds? How many seconds till we gotta go? And if you look, like I'm always like moving when the time comes. And yeah, well, that was the part that didn't make no sense because I think he complained later about a feed. He got on the treadmill, ate some cereal or something. No, no, I think he was drinking. He was drinking his tea that he was. Because people said he like he had a routine and like he'd always change his shirt and like dude was dialed. I think like I, I, I don't know what happened and, and it sucks because like I as I said like you you want to keep going especially like I mean winning's cool but I, I would rather have done something unique and uh, even more robust like it's. And you can't do it alone. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, he was, he was in the zone, man. And, you know, to be able to just keep, keep doing that. There's not many people in the world that want to do that. No, it, it was amazing. I mean, it was really amazing. So I guess your fans and your friends, and your, they must've told you he stopped. And they said you'd be the winner if you finished. So you did win in style. I mean, you hammered it out at 723 mile pace for the last, 4.167 miles. So it's just amazing to me that you're feeling, you know, that good. Yeah. Yeah. I was sandbagging. <laughs> so, but, you know, so obviously you had plenty in the tank, but I was wondering, and, you know, my tweet to you calling it a cheap victory, and we apologize again for that, but. No, that's cool, man. I, I, I did the let's run jinx because I was trying to learn how to analyze it. I was trying to analyze the normal race. And my thought process, and this was about 20 minutes before you win, I'm like, well, it's about to be, you know, it's almost midnight. Mike's got to run through the night. This guy in the Czech Republic is about to have daylight. I know he's running inside, but there's a psychological advantage to knowing it's a new day. And as you said, I was thinking, you know, he looks pretty good. I, I think he's got the edge. And then within, within an hour, you were the winner. Um, but were you getting worried? Were you worried about the fact that you were about to go through the the night? Oh yeah, dude. Like I, I, well, it's funny because at like three o'clock our time, I was like, Hey, what time is it in the Czech Republic? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's six hours ahead. And I was like, sweet. Like he's going to have to eat some, you know, night, you know, sleep monsters. But the, uh, you know, the other thing that I had to deal with that, you know, his crew didn't really have to deal with is like, okay, sweet. He got the night, but then I got like the freaking afternoon sun blazing down at like 75 degrees, you know? So like, um, that was, you know, that, that wasn't ideal. Um, but 
what what I was um, excited about was like the night meant that it was going to cool off. So, um, you know, I was pretty sunburned. So I was having some trouble regulating my temperature. And you probably saw like I started a lot of the ja- the the loops in a big puffy coat for like two laps and then I would take it off. So I had like Hoka as it's, it's not even supposed to be a race coat. It's like a leisure wear piece, but I was like, it's huge. It's like bulky and awesome. And I was like running the first couple laps in that just to stay warm. And then once my body temperature warmed up, I would shred that off. And um, so, yeah, I was looking forward to getting some cooler weather and um I had saved some music that I was planning to use. So I had like a game plan to get through the night, but you're definitely right, man. It's, it would be an advantage for him to be in the day, but I think he had a a little bit of an advantage that he could control the temperature really well. So he didn't really have to worry about like ice in his arms or um, kind of like, I think I had a little bit of elevation. Somebody, as you know, like a lot of people were following this very closely and they're runners. We are, if nothing else, we are very fastidious. And I think someone calculated that I'd done like 8,000 feet of vertical over the course of the 262 miles. So like, you know, that's, that's not insignificant. And I'm, I'm carrying like, you know, water and all that kind of stuff. Cause once you leave the aid station, you can't take aid again, but if you're on a treadmill, you can take as much as you want. Cause it's just sitting there and you're not having to carry. So you know, I was ready for that. And, you know, that was, that was my prerogative. You know, I could have jumped on the treadmill at any point, but I chose to stay outside and be a part of the community. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool. You got the neighbors involved and I'll tell you though, it's a lot, of, I've been running some on the treadmill. It's way easier, at least for me, way easier to run on the treadmill than run outside. I mean, I'm talking, it feels like a different sport to me. The treadmill, I get some balance to it. Oh, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing about the treadmill is once you set the pace, you know what pace you're going to do. And as long as you keep lifting your feet up, um, you know, you're going to make it. But uh, there's something to be said for, you know, it's probably he probably had it at zero percent grade. And if you're hitting your foot in exactly the same pattern for that long, you know, it can kind of mess with your tendons. And so, as you as you know, like I'm a I'm a treadmill junkie. I, I do a lot of treadmill records and stuff and. I have a big appreciation for, you know, what a big effort that was. So the loop, did you run it the exact same loop 63 times or did you ever do it in a different direction or a slightly different loop? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was basically the same loop every time, but I would, um, there was what I liked going counterclockwise. Um, but every like 10 or 15 or depending on how my legs would feel, I would go the other way. So clockwise, uh, clockwise was a lot harder. It doesn't seem like it should be because there wasn't that much difference, but it was just where this little hill is, uh, going clockwise sucked. Uh, and there was a car that was kind of hard to get around. What about your shoes? You're sponsored by Hoka. Oh, no, I sponsored Let's Run in the past. Did you wear the same shoes the entire time? Which one, or did you switch them up? What were you wearing most of the time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I started the race in the, in a actually fresh out of the box pair of Bondi sixes, like the yellow shoes that uh, you probably saw me in. Uh, and then I had a couple month old pair of ring cones that I rotated in mm, probably for maybe a marathon, but I'd say, you know, probably 250 miles in the Bondies and then maybe 20, 20 so miles in the ring cones. 
Which was surprising. I didn't want anyone to, you know, accuse me of using the carbon rocket or, you know, anything like that either. So I was kind of cognizant of like not using any of the carbon technology. Hey, it's accepted nowadays. Yeah, but, you know, I, I wanted to keep it, you know, you know, straight. And even yesterday when I did my depletion mile, I didn't wear the, I didn't wear flats or anything. I was like, Hey man, my bondies got me to this point to be uh, able to do this. So I might as well treat them right. So the race is over. You're the champion. You've been, you've never run more than 36 hours in a row. You just run for 63 hours in a row and with, with small breaks, but no, no sleeping for 63 hours. And then, to me, the most amazing thing might have been what you did after this. I think I would have slept for the next 36 hours. Instead, I read that you got a 45-minute nap and then went to work. Well, no. First, I started working um, because I had offers due. Um, so I started working until I like I, I was like not making good decisions. And then I put myself down for 45 minutes and then came back and did what I needed to do. Yeah. So, so you're like a, <laughs> a ship broker, right? A maritime broker. You have your own firm, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We have an international ship brokerage. We deal with uh, U.S. and foreign flag ocean going vessels carrying humanitarian food aid cargo. So like the big claim to fame for us is, and it's, uh, well, it's something that people know is uh, the movie Captain Phillips. If you ever saw that with the Mersk, Alabama, the pirates in Somalia, uh, that was one of our vessels that was hijacked. So it ends at basically midnight. When you stayed up till when, and then when do you take that nap? Uh, so I'd say I'd stayed up until well. By the time we got everything sorted from the aid station and you know said goodbye to everyone, I'd say it was probably two o'clock in the morning. In the morning, and then uh, I worked until like. I don't know, 345 or something. And then I guess I was up by 430 or 445. I don't know. I didn't even look at the clock because I was like, I need to just. So that's Tuesday. And then what'd you do Tuesday? Yeah, I worked a full day and then I did the mile run that night, uh, the five, 551 mile. Um, and then uh, I slept four hours last night, and now it's today, right? So you slept four hours and 45 minutes since Saturday morning. Yes. How much do you normally sleep on a night? Uh, if I, it's like I've been trying to work on that. It's probably between four and six hours. So, yeah, this race is ideal for me, man. Like it's it's like made for me. And actually I was thinking that, even like I used to just commute back and forth to work. And so like it was perfect because like I'd run like an hour and then run again at lunch and then run home. And so like I'm used to doing like lots of runs all the time and I don't need a lot of sleep. I think you're going to end up being the Elliot Kipchoge of the backyard ultra. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I don't know, man. There's so many people that are so strong. I'm just, I'm just so unbelievably honored to even, you know, be uh, be able to have lasted as long as I did. I mean, I actually thought the woman in the sauna was going to kick both our asses, man. She was so strong. She was like running in ice in a lake in a 
snowstorm. Like, I don't know. She did I was like, is she for real still in this? Because like, I was like, that's just insane. Like she's going to beat our butts. And then the guy in his like, uh, in his like coffee shop running around the chair. Yeah. He made it a long time. Yeah, dude. I was like, who is this guy? Like, how is he doing that? Like how it's just, yeah. Un- unbelievable. I was, I was so inspired by the other athletes, man. I, yeah. I mean, it was, I, there was even like a 12 year old kid that did like 20 laps or something. Like it was just awesome. Um, no more than a, he made it more than a hundred miles. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 14 year old though. I think. That's yeah, okay. yeah. 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 Got to get your son in it next year. Although he might be arrested for child abuse. <laughs> Do you have any idea, like, what do you think the maximum is? Like, what do you think the human capability for this distance is? Like, how, how much – you did 262 miles. 300 miles? I mean, it seems doable, right? But 400? I mean, what's the limit? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you'd you'd have to – I mean, yeah, I, I think you, you would almost have to work together. Um, and I think that maybe that's that's what people do. It's kind of like – how people team up at Barkley until the last loop. And then Laz makes you go the other way. And, um, you know, you, you kind of have to go your separate ways, but um, yeah, I'd love to see people do 300 miles. I mean, I think it's an unbelievable honor to have made it um, as far as I did, but I know there's people that are stronger than me and um, I would love to help assist somebody to something great. And um you know, I do train in miles, but also in kilometers. And, you know, there'd be something sweet about doing, you know, 500 kilometers. Like, I think that would be kind of awesome. Um, and I think it, you know, it wasn't that far off. I mean, that's when I was feeling as good as I was and he was looking so strong, I was thinking, well, 300's coming pretty quick, you know, and maybe, maybe we can go, you know, that extra couple miles. Um, but I don't know. And, and I think it also depends on like if it's inside or outside, because if you get like a, you know, if it's in Tennessee, like where it is, the weather gets bad and all of a sudden, you know, you get some, you know, hail or the temperature drops in the twenties and you've been running and you can't regulate your temperature or it gets 90 degrees, then all of a sudden, you know, four miles starts to feel like, you know, 20. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's no other races scheduled. You're someone that likes to race all the time. What's what's next? Like, what is what are you going to train for now? Are you going to take some time off? You know, give us the next month of your running life and what you're planning for. Uh, well, before this weekend, uh, instead of uh, I was going to run all the boundary stones of Washington D.C. So it's about. Um, a hundred miles square around Washington, DC. Uh, I, my big goal this year was to run across the country. So uh, I don't think I'll be able to do that for a little while, just until all this blows over. But uh, I've got some other fastest known times that I'd like to do. I want to run from Washington, DC to uh, Rehoboth beach in Delaware, which is about depending on which way you go about 120 miles. Um, I want to, uh, run a really fast mile, like at one o'clock in the morning down like uh, Wisconsin Avenue in Georgetown. So start at the top and just bomb a all out mile. 
Why at 1 a.m.? Just Is that when the traffic slice? No, uh, no, I thought one, I'd start at 1, 11, 11, 11, so 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, and run from the top of the hill in Wisconsin Avenue all the way down to the waterfront, and it's just like a screaming downhill, and I think it'd be awesome. But, yeah, just because traffic's the lightest, and there's and it's kind of a heavily trafficked street, so if you were, like, trying to bomb down it, you'd run into, like, you know, kids and strollers and stuff. If you like those even numbers, those repeating numbers, you should have, when you did the CNO Canal, it's 36 hours, 36 minutes. You should have waited another, what, 24 seconds to get to 36, 36. <laughs> no, dude, uh, I was freaking out because the Park Barner, I only beat the record by 12 minutes. So I ran for 36 hours, 36 minutes, and I only broke the record by 12 minutes. And I, I, w- I in my head, when I, I thought I knew where the finish was, but I was off by a half mile. So my wife, again, Jennifer saved the day. She actually looked up where the exact finish was. And so I rounded the corner and they're like, dude, you got to keep running. And I was like, why? I'm done. And they're like, no, it's it's around the corner. And it's actually hidden behind this boathouse. And so that's what I'm hoping to do with my running is continue to explore my area or at least as long as they let us safely be outside. Um, and continue to hopefully inspire people to get out there and chase their own adventures. I mean, for me, and we're almost the same age, it's really hard to run because I, I know I'll never hit my, my best times from the past. But it, is that an issue for me? Like you'll probably never, you'll never break your 217 marathon VR. Or is that, is that one of the reasons why you're finding all these new challenges because you've never done them before? Or it's your personality? Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I think I've always been someone that likes to, um, you know, try different things and unique things. I mean, there's uh, something to be said for, um, you know, running personal best. But I think if that's the only thing you gauge yourself on, you know, you're going to be disappointed. I think most of the time, right, you can only do that once. It's kind of like uh, this year I set like the American record for 45 to 49 in the 50 kilometer, uh, national championships and ended up third. Like, you know, I'd won that race, I think three or four times, but it's felt good to, you know, do that again. And, um, I think as we, uh, evolve as athletes, that's what I want to keep doing with my running is continue to explore new things, go new places, try unique events and uh, continue to see like what I'm capable of. And I think, you know, a PR is one measure of uh, performance, but I think there's a lot of different things. Like I learned a lot about myself this weekend and I think you can learn a lot about yourself. Like the week before that, I tried to take an FKT down on a guy named John Kelly. And if you've been getting into the ultra sport, you probably know him. He's finished Barkley and, um, he just won the spine race in the UK and he's a super baller dude. And I tried to take his FKT from him and failed by like 45 minutes. And like, that was inspiring too. You know, that's, that's fun. You know, I like, you know, making new goals and trying to attack him and seeing, you know, how I can uh, get better and continue to grow. So I guess, We've gone over a lot of time. I, I'll end. I'll end with a question that I almost started with because I was going to start with it. Start with a joke, but you know, you're a former college lacrosse player. No one ever asked you about that. How good were you at lacrosse? And growing up, did you know that you were good at running? Like, tell us how you how you got into running. Yeah, sure. Um, 
so I was I was okay at lacrosse. I'd say you know I was uh, good enough to play Division One. Um, so I played uh, at Michigan State University. Uh, when I went to school there, they had a Division One program. So we played like if I don't know if your audience follows lacrosse, but we played like the big names like Syracuse and Duke and Virginia and Hopkins. Um, and, but we were, and like, we played like Notre Dame, but they weren't good then. Like they were kind of like us, you know, and then Ohio state, but they weren't good then and Penn state, but, but then they were like, Hey, we've got all this money and now we're good. Um, which is cool. I'm glad. I mean, it's awesome that the sport has continued to grow and like, it's more popular than it ever was. Uh, I played as a freshman, which I mean, I guess is good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was my dream to play in college. I probably could have gone to, you know, a different school and um, maybe ridden the pine, but I wanted to play. I mean, that was kind of, the so you were like a starter? Do they have they have starters? Yeah, they have starters. I no, I wasn't a starter. I was only I played. Uh, I got to play, so I was a I I I was a starter sometimes, but I would played on man up, which is like the skill. It's like uh, I don't. Do you know anything about lacrosse? Yeah, no? on the face off. No, 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 no. Uh, man up is. Uh, the other team commits a penalty and you have a, right. yeah. they take the guy off. So it's kind of like they have the penny to kill and then they have the, it's called man up because you have an extra guy. And basically it just means you have a good stick and you can shoot. And so I played on that, um, which I wasn't big, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't knocking anyone over, you know, I was like one fifty maybe. And it's funny because I weigh way less now than I did, you know, playing lacrosse, but I was still like a, scrawny little guy that got thrown around you know so they were always trying to put weight on me and I was like but I you know if once I'm done playing lacrosse what am I going to do with all that weight you know so but I knew I was a good runner you know we um we had to uh you know run uh a 5k for the team and you know there was another guy Kiefer and I that always be one of the first ones back and I just figured uh, if I do it faster, then I have more time to like practice my stick skills. So I might as well do it fast. And, you know, that's when I, I mean, it, they were trying to get me to go out for like the MSU, like cross country team and stuff. And I just like, like the other lacrosse players, I just make fun of those guys and they're like shorts, split shorts and uh, like little bony bodies. And like, I wish I would have done it, man, because man, I have, feel like if there was one thing that I could go back and do, it would be to be on a cross country team because anybody in running that I've ever talked to, I'd say uh, they would, they have told me that that's the best time they've ever had in their life is like those miles they spent putting in with their cross country teammates, the the road trips, the like competition, like it just seems like it would have been really fun. But, you know, I had a different focus at that point. You still got the road trips with the lax bros. What are your lax bros? <laughs> What do, they, what do they think of you now? Do they still make, do they make funny for being scrawny little guy? Oh my God, man. Yeah. They're so proud. Oh, it's awesome. Like, uh, I, I definitely get a lot of people that, uh, reach out and, uh, I've had, you know, some pretty incredible, um, memories. I think one of the best articles written about me was by my, I think it was, uh, 
my senior year coach, a guy named Scott Manor, he, uh, he, he like asked us, he brought us all in uh, at the beginning of the year. And we were like a pretty good team. Like I you know, grew up in Northern Virginia. I played at a high school called Oakton high school. And, you know, we had played together as a team for like four years, like, and, and I got super committed. Like I played like box lacrosse. I played like men's league. Like, so I'd be like, you know, 14 playing against like 35 year old men, you know, and like trying to knock them on their ass and, and um, you know, but also, you know, taking a beating, right. Because I was like a scrawny little kid. Um, and he brought us in and he said, what are your goals? And I said, you know, I want to set the single season record for goals. And he's like, this kid's not that good, you know, like, uh, and he's like, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I'm going to get 40 goals and 40 assists. And like, I think the year before I had maybe like 26 points or something. He's like, that's insane. Like, there's no way that that's going to happen. But he's, he's like, all right, whatever. And, uh, and then I think on the last game I needed like two points, you know? And so like, um, yeah, I made it happen. And, uh, he gave me that, you know, that dream. And I think I still try to do that with my running. I set these big audacious goals and then, um, I work my tail off to try to you know make them happen. And uh, I think the biggest thing that I've learned though, is um, if you don't ask for help uh, and you don't have support, uh, it's not going to be possible. So, I mean, I got to thank everyone. Like I, everyone sees what I did, but it was really our community that made that happen. Like the running community, the community around me here, my wife, my family, like um, my sponsors, like, you know, it's nice to be able to just go like, Hey, can you grab me some arm sleeves? Because Compressport gave me some. And, um, you know, I could eat as many gels as I wanted because they, you know, are one of the people that, uh, are involved with me. And, you know, I had a new pair of shoes to use. And so like, I don't take any of that for granted, man. I, I know how lucky I am and I appreciate it. So how, you did lacrosse, you knew you were good at running, but what made you start? Like, did you just do, did you sign up for a 5k or what was it? No, dude. Uh, I wanted to run the Boston marathon. So like I went to my friend Vince Voison's house and his mom had just gotten back from Boston with like the unicorn medal and the crinkly blanket. And I saw that and I was like, if Vince's mom can run a marathon, I can run a marathon. And I was like, I told her that night actually in, in there, it was around this time. It was like Easter time. And I went there for Easter and it was the first time I had met somebody that, that looked like a regular person. Cause like when you see it on TV, it's always like, you know, Bill Rogers or somebody or somebody that looks like us, you know, it's like, not just like a, like a regular person. And it was, so I was like, wow. Like if she can do it, like I'm a division one athlete, what excuse do I have? Like, like I know how to train, like I'm committed. Like, and then I didn't realize you actually had to qualify, which was kind of annoying. You went and ran your first marathon. How fast did you do it? Uh, 306. Cause you had to run 310. I ran Marine Corps. And then I was like, Oh, well, if you want to be a real runner, you got to run sub three hours. So I was like, so what, what, what year was that? Uh, 1996. Well, it's really been inspiring. And as a mid forties guy, I just can't believe it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's inspiring, but also depressing for me. Cause I'm like, there's no excuses. I mean, there's no excuses. Well, and, and, and I gotta say, man, I hope that, 
you know, and, and I hope that when I do this, like people see that and you'd be, you'd be so surprised how many people in my neighborhood have said, like, I saw you running. Like I had a woman come up to me yesterday and said, I haven't run in a while, but I saw you running and I want to run your loop. And so she asked me where to get shoes yesterday. And I sent her to one of the local running stores and I, and she said, but they're not open. I said, Oh, but you can get like curbside delivery. So, or like concierge service. So like she's going to pick up a pair of shoes to run the little loop. And then I actually saw on Strava, you know, somebody from the area just came and ran the little loop. And so like, I don't know, like I know that um, there were kids in the neighborhood that had ran like 10 miles and they'd never run more than around the block. And so, um, and then, you know, some of the older guys were like, man, I can't remember the last time I ran, but you know, they're going to go out and uh, I think they want to do a beer mile next. So, Oh, that's actually one of the next things we might do. We might have a neighborhood beer mile. So, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to kick my ass cause I don't really drink, but, um, I'm willing to take one for the team. <laughs> Well, that sounds like fun. Congratulations again, and thanks so much. All right, man. Talk to you. I got one one last thing. When we started this interview, so, you know, I think the longtime listeners of the podcast know we can actually see each other, even though they can't see us. And, and you said, "Is this? can people see this? And I said, no. I said, why? And he said, well, I want to take a picture of this because it's kind of funny because normally in Let's Run, I'm just being criticized, and yet now you guys are having me on the podcast. So, are there a lot of haters of Mike Wardian on the Let's Run message boards over the years? Tell us about your sort of experience on that. Oh my gosh, man. There are so many haters. And the the biggest thing that I love is that my mother-in-law reads all the comments. And so she gets all fired up about, you know, I don't know, Joe, Joe, Big Joe from California says that, you know, you're a chump and you only do, I don't know, showboat or, uh, yeah, I can't even remember half the stuff, but it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Or like, you know, he's, you know, terrible or I don't know, there's always somebody going to have something to say. And I just, you know, hope that, um, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, that's part of being a athlete is, you know, people are going to like some of the things you do and maybe some of the things they, they don't enjoy as much, but um, you know, hopefully they can gain something by why I'm out there. And um, you know, I'd be happy to go for a run with them sometime and we can chat about it. Yeah. So I was saying to me the other day, they're like, there's no way these people would, would write what they say to my, no way that someone would say to my face what they write about me. And that's <laughs> totally true. Yeah, I don't know, man. It would be fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to the other staff members, see if they'll give you, for like one month, we should give you moderating privileges so, so you can delete any posts about you. or. No way, dude. I actually, like, I, I just put them all to the front. Yeah. So, like, you got to keep, you got to keep, uh, you got to keep it real. All right. Well, thanks again. See you next time. Yeah, man. No problem. All right. Ciao.